Welcome to Spirits of Whiskey. We explore the wide world of whiskey through the many colorful personalities who make it, promote it, write about it, and more. With each podcast, Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward and bartender, and yours truly, Philip Dobar, director of the Cocktail Collection, interview whiskey's most important names. From high-profile makers, blenders, and ambassadors, to out-of-the-way innovators and remote pioneers. Join us as we discover the people and elements that give the water of life its spirit. It is Whiskey Wednesday, February 17th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 34. Today, we speak with Patrick Fee and Kyle Merkline about a very wicked whiskey. But first, stay tuned for this week's Whiskey Chronicles. The Center for Culinary Culture, home to the Cocktail Collection, has a YouTube channel, Eats, Drinks, TV. Streaming now are Cocktails, The Grand Tour, Culinary Quickies, Music and Booze with Mo, V is for Vino, and this podcast, Spirits of Whiskey, New shows coming soon include Complete Greek, Mighty Fine Wine, and Spirits of Rum, a podcast featuring personalities from the wide world of cane spirits. Find us on YouTube at Eat Drinks TV and subscribe now. The Center for Culinary Culture, telling the story of food and drink, one taste at a time. For more information, visit culinaryculture.center. Have you ever been at a bar and heard a patron say to the bartender, give me a beer with a whiskey back? The term back refers to a shot of alcohol to chase your main drink. One of the most common backs is the whiskey back, but there are many others, including a spicy sangria to follow tequila and a Bloody Mary served with a beer back. In March 2006 at Bushwick Country Club in Brooklyn, New York, a new kind of back was created by bartender Reggie Cunningham. As the story goes, Cunningham was behind the stick, half working and half nursing a hangover while eating McClure's pickles. The brand, which was born in Bob McClure's kitchen two doors down from the club, was relatively new at the time. As Cunningham was savoring his pickles, a Florida woman sat at the bar and ordered a shot of Old Crow bourbon, challenging the barkeep to join her in a shot of whiskey, followed by a chaser of juice from the jar of pickles from which he'd been eating. And just like that, the pickleback was born. Or was it? We do know this was when the term pickleback was coined, but there's debate over just when and where pickle juice, or pickling brine, was first employed as a back. Pickling brine was paired with tequila in Texas long before 2006, and, according to a National Public Radio report on traditional Russian cuisine, pickles have been used to chase vodka shots for even longer. That said, the report talks more about the actual pickle than it does the juice, so I guess the true nature of the relationship between vodka and pickles remains an open question. Regardless of its true origin, the whiskey and pickleback pairing has been growing in popularity all over the world for the last 15 years, so much so that in late 2020, the Holiday Distillery in Weston, Missouri, just outside Kansas City, released Wicked Pickle, that's right, with a WH, a spicy pickle-flavored whiskey. In a matter of a few short months, the product went from concept to market. Up next, we speak with Patrick Fee and Kyle Merkline of Holiday Distillery about how they developed this all-in-one whiskey pickleback and learn how the world responded to it. Stay with us. Hey, do you like whiskey, food, and adventure? I do. Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm Philip. I'm Louise. I'm the chef. Chef Louise Leonard, as in our World of Wheezy segment host here on the podcast, and Whiskey, a Chef's Journey. That chef. That's right, the project that started this very podcast. The series stars our very own chef, Louise Leonard, winner of Emmy-winning The Taste on ABC. 
and explores and connects the worlds of whiskey and food, city by city, country by country. Would you like to see this spirited culinary adventure on a TV near you? Well, you can by helping us finish the pilot episode through our crowdfunding campaign. For more information, including behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and incentives. And to make a pledge, visit our website, whiskeyashef'sjourney.com. Or search for our campaign, Whiskey A Chef's Journey, at gofundme.com. That's gofundme.com now. Well, I think it's a cheers to that. <laughs> Bless. Cheers. cheers. Today on Spirits of Whiskey, our guests are Kyle Merkline, Master Distiller, and Patrick Fee, VP Marketing at McCormick Distilling Company, home of the historic Holiday Distillery in Western Missouri. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for being here. So as we always start out, we always ask about your whiskey journey. So I don't know which one I want to ask first. (laughs) So Patrick, because Patrick started there in 2012. So that's sooner than Kyle. So we'll go that way. So Patrick, tell us, how did you end up where you are? I would be happy to tell you. I call it a whiskey journey for sure, but also kind of a spirits journey. I started in uh, Los Angeles, an LA native, just north of LA, Santa Clarita area, uh-huh. and worked at an ad agency. McCormick Distilling was my main primary client. I started probably right when I was around 20, not even quite 21. So it was fun to be working on, you know, spirits and getting into a lot of fun and designing packages and brands and did that for about 10 years and then the opportunity came to move out to Kansas City and kind of start an in-house sort of hadn't been in years and it's been fun I mean but at this point half my life working with this company and Spirits has been a very good time. So before McCormick was a client and now it's an employer. Exactly yes. Okay all right very good very good. Kyle? Yeah, so mine is definitely different. I grew up on a farm in western Kansas. So the typical agriculture thing. Always knew that I wanted to go into a field related to agriculture. So I went to Kansas State University, got a degree in biological and agricultural engineering. So that kind of took me into working with grains, working with how you can add value to those grains. Made biodiesel, which was not super fun. Went back and got my master's focusing on fermentation. After I did that, then I went up and I actually made neutral spirits for a living, worked at a distillery doing that. Kind of concurrently, it's funny, I never actually drank much growing up. My parents don't drink. I went to college and I, believe it or not, did not really drink. Aha. Uh-huh. Fun. So life of the party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was studying. You know, I started drinking a little more when I met my wife. And if she ever listens to it, I did not drink because <laughs> I met my wife. Um, it was yeah, you want to watch how, how and where you say that. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, it was more social at that point. You know, things were good. And her dad, actually, he's a whiskey fan as well. Mm-hmm. And that was back when you could get a lot of good bottles and you could find those pretty easily. So just retired and had money to spend, time to spend, and he would go buy all these good bottles of bourbon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got to benefit from that. Then kind of being in the area and the bourbon production starting up back here at McCormick under the holiday distillery. Right. After quite the hiatus, what, 30 years? Yep. 30 years off here. I did not, I guess, expect that to be the case. So I kind of lucked into making it over here to produce bourbon. Otherwise, I'd be probably still making neutral spirits, vodka, and mm-hmm. you would not have any desire to talk to me. That would be a lot <laughs> less interesting. Well, it depends on whether it's good vodka. 
Well, I guess, yeah. Well, Philip Wood, he's the director of the Cocktail Collection, so he talks about all spirits on other platforms. Yes. I'm an equal opportunity imbiber. Yes. <laughs> I am the one who is not. I just care about whiskey. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Kyle. Yes. So you were making vodka and now you're making whiskey. And that is a result of your moving into McCormick, correct? Correct. Yeah. Okay. So the timing just worked out well that, you know, I was in the spirits world and I was making vodka at a large distillery that was just 25 or so miles down the road from here. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So doing contract distilling. And this is the greater Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas metropolitan area, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. Cool. So Wicked Pickle. I saw this online and I said, huh, I do like myself a good pickleback. Wonder how this would be and how did they come up with it and how has it been received by the public? So who wants to answer that one? Jumping into it, basically uh, what you just said is how we came about making Wicked Pickle. We consider ourselves a company huge into innovative new products, ever sitting back and just waiting for bourbon to age. That's a big piece of what we do. But, Mm -hmm. you know, coming up with the next big thing and with Whiskey and Spirits, can we get involved with? And the story of this one's kind of fun. I mean, uh, myself and a couple others of our board were sitting around one day after work, uh, decided to enjoy a glass of bourbon at the end of the day and talk a little shop and a little bit of life. And we also had in the fridge some spicy pickles, happened to have a couple of those and then sit back and think, you know, this really does go well with the bourbon. <laughs> and you start to think about picklebacks and the original pickleback shot being with spicy pickles out in Brooklyn back in the day. And mm-hmm. it just turned into one of those moments of why hasn't someone done this? So when we got to work, we <laughs> called up, called up Kyle and said, Kyle, I've got this kind of a random request. I know you're making what we think is going to be some of the highest rated bourbon ever put out, but can you put that aside for a second and make me a spicy pickle flavored whiskey? Just kind of see how that goes. I don't think I was his favorite person that day, <laughs> but he delivered on exactly what we were looking for. He's much more than just a distiller around here. He runs kind of the innovation side of a lot of our spirits and brand development, and he is able to put this thing together, and we were off and running. And really, we made it to be able to test it in Kansas City. We've got a very large presence in this area, and we've got a much larger sales team and marketing team, Mm -hmm. and we can put it out in the local area and kind of get our feet wet, see what people like and how they respond. And with this one, it went so hot so fast that we had people in different states, distributors, control states, Canada, parts of Europe, everyone reaching out. Wow. That they just, they need it right now. So you, we, you had uh, control states reaching out. Yeah. That's unusual. It's never happened to us before. I mean, mm-hmm. they're control states are control states. They're, mm-hmm. They take a little bit longer to get things done. But with this one, yeah, they're reaching out yeah. saying, we need it. We want it for the holidays. Well, Kyle, at least he didn't ask you to distill pickles. Yeah. Which, although you were adept at making vodka, you can distill a neutral spirit out of any carbohydrate, I know. Yeah. Well, that would have been what I'd wanted to do. But uh, (laughs) no, he didn't say this, but he sent this request to me and I was actually out of the office. My daughter had just been born the day before. (laughs) And so I like my bourbon to taste like bourbon. And he knows that. And so he sends this request over for this spicy pickle flavored whiskey. It's just like, man, way to ruin a good moment for me. So how many days after he asked you, did you start tinkering around with a recipe to create this? Well, I did go home and enjoy a few days with my daughter and had a few sleepless nights and then started thinking. And 
pondered your future. <laughs> yeah, I was a little tired, you know, and I thought, okay, fine, I can do this. We'll get started. I was started right away when I got back. And I have no problem admitting that I know more about bourbon and whiskey production than I do pickle flavors, spicy flavors. You know, I've dabbled in making pickles at home, but definitely not with whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it took a little while, you know, reaching out. So we have a lot of things to consider when you do this. And I think Patrick's eyes always glaze over when I start talking about this. So I apologize in advance, (laughs) you know, but you want to make sure that it's a stable and that the flavor doesn't change over time and that Mm. it's not going to go bad. Right. And you got to think about all your different regulations. You got to comply with the FDA, the TTB. You got to make sure that what you put in this package, it's not just a crazy thing that you talk about while you're eating pickles and drinking whiskey, but that it actually can happen and that we can do that. And so you know, reached out to a lot of different trusted partners who could help with that. And so, like I said, I'm not an expert in pickle making pickle flavor. I have learned a little bit more about the uh, ins and outs of dill analytical profile, which is sure maybe interesting. (laughs) I mean, I think it's interesting. I think all flavor things are interesting, especially when the wackier, the better, I think. So yeah. Oh yeah. Flavor science. When it dawns on people, or if it ever dawns on people, when they taste a whiskey or any any spirit and they go, oh, well, I taste banana. I taste caramel. It's like, yes. I don't taste that in this. That's right. Well, (laughs) okay. Well, let me, let's use another example. But, but you know, it's because there are flavonoids in common between the two. And that's why one is reminiscent of the other. Exactly. Yeah. And so I had to dig deep into that. And so with this product, you know, it was a balance of that. You think a lot of flavored whiskeys and you think a lot, you know, sweetness. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want that in here, obviously. Pickles are not sweet. You don't taste one and think, oh yeah, this is really nice and sugary. Well, unless you're using sweet pickles. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that was not the route that we wanted to go, right. at least initially with this, you know, this product being the spicy route. And so not having sugar present, that was interesting. And so kind of working through the balance of those dill with pickly flavors, meeting those regulations that I talked about earlier, having that saltiness, the spiciness, mm-hmm. kind of the, the pepper aspect of it as well. It was interesting. And we kind of got it developed and went fairly quickly. My next question, how long from concept to market? Or I think more interesting, how long from concept to, yeah, we can send this to the FDA and TTB? My daughter was born June 10th, so it would have came in June 11th on the request. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been quick. Um, Oh, Lord. That's a few months. Wait, your daughter was born June 10th? Yeah, June 10th of this year. I got to bring my new puppy home June 1st. So I have a a wee little baby at home too. Well, he's not so wee anymore. He's fully grown already, but. Yeah, your baby probably chews more things currently than mine. Uh, He does, but he is also finally potty trained. So that is a relief. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mine is not. So. Yeah. You, got, you got a ways to go yet. Well, you know, humans have a longer learning curve. It's it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Mm. Yeah. Well, they live longer, so and it takes that. longer to yes. do things. Yeah. Yeah. So your pickle people, who did you consult with on pickles and did you actually use real pickle juice? Right. Did you pour juice out of bottles or did you collect all the bottles from which the pickles had been eaten? And here, here's some juice. I wish that we could do that. <laughs> But that goes back to those compliance things. And so indeed, one of the weird things about the, well, the liquor industry, acetic acid is one of those compounds that we can't have in too high of quantities. Mm -hmm. If you're aware, acetic acid is vinegar and vinegar is pickles. And so it kind of presents a unique challenge from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I probably won't discuss exactly where we're going or who we're working with. Sure. 
But yeah, it was a lot of that. That was a big component of it. You know, when you think pickles, you do think of that tartness and mm-hmm. yeah, you think of saltiness, but you, you kind of want that, that sharpness and that acetic acid. And that was one of the challenges working with this. That was the primary thing that I wish I could use some, uh, the juice, brine, whatever uh-huh. yeah, what's left over from a pickle, but we can't. Yeah, of course. Of course. Now, again, just a few months, literally like three or four months from concept to market. Yeah. After a couple months, Patrick tried it and I still at this point was almost thinking it was slightly a joke and that I would take it up there and that he would uh, say, oh, yeah, I got you. That's funny. We're going to laugh about this later. But no. Patrick, did you have to evangelize him a bit on this? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I think at first he really did think it was a bit of a goof, but you know, we just got into it and started tasting it. And the more people you would see, I think, have an extreme reaction, he started sort of drinking the Kool-Aid, too. I think he likes uh-huh. it a lot more than he's admitting. Okay. All right. Now, given you're in Kansas City, I have to ask this. Might there be a barbecue whiskey in your future? Uh, I. <laughs> it's, it's funny you ask that. We actually have... <laughs> Yay! 360 Vodka is our premium vodka brand. Right. And it's, you know, we actually do have a barbecue flavor. It's called KC Barbecue. It's Kansas City Barbecue Flavor Vodka. And yeah, we have dabbled in thinking about what would a barbecue whiskey taste okay. because the barbecue vodka is delicious. I mean, it goes amazing in a Bloody Mary and why not, you know? Well, when you make it, we need to be the first to talk to you about it because we do a lot with barbecue with the show and our other show, our TV show. Yeah, indeed. So indeed. we would love to dabble in that and maybe do some experimenting with you. I think that sounds like a good plan. Awesome. You returned to bourbon production. McCormick, a holiday distillery, returned to bourbon production in 2015. 15. Has any of that hit the market or is that still laying up? And does that form the base of Wicked Pickle? The answer is yes, it does form the base of Wicked Pickle. No, we have not put it in a bottle yet as a bourbon. We're sitting and waiting, and luckily for us, we can do that. We've got other brands kind of doing things while we continue to just pack barrels away in a barrel warehouse. Mm -hmm. But we do have plans for 2022 will be the release of a six-year bourbon that will be rolling out. So we're very excited about that. Wow, wonderful. Nice. Can you talk to us about your other brands? It appears web research suggests that You have a varied portfolio. You produce some and you curate some. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have basically what we make here. We have, you know, tequila brands, things like that, that obviously have to be bottled down in Mexico. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there are brands we developed, you know, back in the day. One of our first real big hits on the world was a brand called Tequila Rose Mm -hmm. that has been around and is still around and actually is having one of its best years ever right now kind of a new resurgence of new drinkers, new age demographic of that brand. That's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I mentioned 360 Vodka, huge fun vodka brand for us, the official vodka of the Chiefs out here in Kansas City, kind of a hometown play. You know, another very exciting brand we just created, uh, I, I want to say 2017, is a brand called Five Farms Irish Cream. Mm-hmm. That is our latest and greatest real big push. It's the highest rated Irish cream ever created. Wow. It's made from five family-owned farms down in County Cork, Ireland that were hand-selected by us with partners down there, literally working with the farmers, selecting the cream, keeping the cream all separate and separate trucks to produce what is just turning out to be one of the most exciting things we've been around in a long time. I'm excited. If you have not had that, try it. It will knock your socks off. It's delicious. Do you have that in California? 
Yeah, we do. It's actually one of our brands that's really growing out there on the West Coast and kind of starting to do its thing. Being such a new brand, it was harder with COVID and everything going on, but still doing really well. And we're excited for 2021 and hopefully being sort of done with lockdowns and everything else. Mm -hmm. That would be nice. Can you tell us about the Broker's (laughs) Gin and also you do a corn whiskey? Yeah, the corn whiskey has been around for quite a long time. Platte Valley whiskey. It's been the base as and a lot of our other kind of blended whiskeys that we make for family brands like our McCormick blended whiskey, things like that. Mm-hmm. Platte Valley in particular is fun. It's in a jug. We're one of the oldest distilleries in the United States, still on its original location, almost 165 years. Yeah, It's the oldest west of the Mississippi, still on its original campus. It is. And there's just so much history there. And the jug, we think we were one of the first companies using those jugs before mm-hmm. they were cool with sort of the moonshine crowd. And It's in our new holiday logo as a part of our history, but, you know, it's a very good corn whiskey. Corn whiskey has got its own thing going on, and people love it. They hate it. It it makes an amazing cocktail muddled with fresh berries and things like that. The best of the stuff is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then... The Broker's Gin. Broker's Gin. So Broker's Gin is actually... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we hit to Broker's Gin, for the benefit of our listeners, can you explain the difference between a bourbon and a corn whiskey? Yes. Yeah, so Patrick immediately passed off to me over here on that one. <laughs> so what is that always analogy? One can be the other, but not the other way around. Like tequila and mezcal, yes. Yeah, yeah. so the corn whiskey could be a bourbon if you put it into a new barrel. Mm-hmm. With corn whiskey, the requirements are that it has to be at least 80% corn. Bourbon, obviously, is 51% corn. Wow, 80%, that's a 80%, lot. 80%, so it's a high corn. You really get that coming through, and so it's kind of showcasing that corn, as the name implies. And it's one of those few that doesn't have to be aged. And you see a lot of those white corn whiskeys out on the market. Ours is, along with one other that I know of, aged for an extended time. Ours is aged for three years, which in the corn whiskey realm is pretty odd. Are we talking about mellow gold? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, great stuff. Exactly. So it's one of those few that has any age statement to it. And so the primary difference is that it's going into a used barrel instead of a new barrel. Uh Got it. So the bourbon goes into the new barrel, the corn whiskey goes in used, and we cannot put our bourbon, distill it into a used barrel. Otherwise, it becomes whatever weird classification that is. But we can put our corn whiskey into a bourbon barrel, and it would still be bourbon. Right. So that's kind of the primary difference. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Oh, oh, and there's a lot of confusion between corn whiskey and moonshine. So why don't we cover that as well, if you wouldn't mind, Kyle? Yeah, moonshine. I've never actually seen a TTB classification for moonshine. That's just kind of (laughs) one, you know, a lot of those corn whiskey distillates could end up being called a moonshine. Moonshine is more of like a fanciful term, I guess, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whereas corn whiskey has a true classification that it has to meet certain criteria to be called a corn whiskey, according to the PTB. And so, yeah, there's just kind of that moonshine is like white dog. It's whatever. It's an unaged distillate. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of falls in line with that. Yeah. Yeah. And one more question before we move back to the gin. I noticed the percent, and I don't have the bottle up here with me because I already poured it, but uh, 35%, 70 proof. Did you lower that proof for the pickle specifically? And will that same distillate be a higher proof when it comes out as a bourbon? Yes. So proof of wicked pickle, I assume is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we we lower that with the 
overall flavor profile that we were going for with that pickle and that heat, especially the heat component, it, the, the 70 proof really played well mm-hmm. with that. The bourbon, when it comes out, we're going to be doing bottled and bond. So it's going to be a hundred proof. Ah, okay. Nice. And there may be other variations where it's like a full proof or, or whatever. But yeah, the primary holiday bourbon we're going to release is going to be a hundred Nice. So like our barrel entry proof is 118. Okay. And so, yeah, we would be anywhere up to that mm-hmm. and slightly higher potentially if it's high in the warehouse, which is a whole different conversation. Right. But yeah. Cool. Okay. Now back to the gin. <laughs> yeah. Gin is fun. It's, we don't have to put it in a barrel warehouse, which makes it a little bit easier too. Brothers Gin is actually, it's one of the most awarded gins of all time. It's been around for quite a few years. We bought it. We actually purchased the company, mm-hmm. People and All. Wow. It's a London-based company and really is a fun gin to play with. It's got a lot of corks and, and personality to it with a, a little bowler hat on top, but it's a true mm-hmm. London dry. It sticks to a 10 botanical sort of blend to where it's sort of like a, you know, kind of a medium gin and it, it's not too hard. It's not too soft. It's not floral it's none of the new cucumbers or anything like that and it just stays true as a london dry it's phenomenal in the gin tonic. so yeah another fantastic brand there that that's actually one of our main brands that's more popular in bars and restaurants okay okay been huge in the mixology scene and we have a lot of fun with that one as well it sits on a lot of back bars indeed yeah it does. And that's one of our, between Brokers and Tequila Rose, we're in almost 80 countries at this point, primarily because of those two wow. brands. They're very international. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Can you talk to us a little bit about the history of Holiday Distillery and why that's so special? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. I mean, so Ben Holiday is our guy. He's the one that started the whole thing, him and his brother, David, and they were Kentuckians. And- 1856, yes? 1856 is when the distillery was actually founded and created. And, you know, there was actually buildings on site slightly older than that that were used for a meatpacking plant at one point, And it turned very quickly into a, a bourbon distillery. They were they, <laughs> nice. They pivoted. They knew, it was a pivot. And we, we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we still have when they took over. I mean, we still have these structures. Our distillery is still in an old 1800 solid rock building that is just gorgeous that we've maintained and kept very tourist friendly when back when tours were a thing hopefully it will be again soon and you know we've just kept the structure of this land and and all of the doings and you know back in the day ben holiday might be one of the biggest names that we don't learn about enough in american history from the past i mean at one point he was the largest private employer in the entire united states oh wow he basically is responsible for fixing the pony express when it was going bankrupt he controlled all the wagon trails out west to where if you were drinking bourbon out on the west coast during the gold rush or anything fun like that, it probably came from this distillery because wow. he did have full control. It's huge amounts of history that, you know, and that's one of the main things that Kyle, you know, we still have one of the original ledgers from way back then with recipes and notes. And it's just amazing that we have in a case up in our visitor center. That's cool. And Kyle's working on those type of original mash bills or some of the things that we're bringing back that we're excited to bring back and unleash uh, on the country. That's wonderful. Do the recipes exist or are you doing some some sort of retro engineering, Kyle? No, it sounds like they're in the book. <laughs> no, yeah, no, the recipes absolutely exist. That's wonderful. Our primary recipe, the first holiday brand that comes out will be that original holiday recipe from way back then. So, and okay. yeah, we're just really excited to bring that to everybody. Yeah, it's interesting. We recently interviewed Bruce Joseph at Hodling & Co., formerly Anchor, and they introduced recently the J.H. Cutter, 
line, which was Hodling's flagship line in the late 19th century in San Francisco, flagship label. And they've gone about attempting to recreate the flavor profile of that blend, but, you know, they're largely flying blind. And I know a number of distilleries have sought to revive legacy brands through retro engineering. It's a blessing that you have the recipes. Yeah, you know, and even more so than a recipe, being in the same location with as close to the same weather as, you know, right. <laughs> depending, depending on how you look at all, all of that with global warming, obviously it shifted, but, you know, same types of weather patterns, same types of rick houses, same types of barrels from, you know, from as far back as we could have recording of. And, you know, the same water source, a true spring fed water source, all the things we use as much local grain as possible, all from the Missouri area. Yeah, you know, that those are all the things. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like baking a cake. You do need all those right ingredients to go along with that recipe. Sure, sure. Well, I think it's time to taste this bad boy. I've jumped ahead. I've already done so. Well, I have to, but I, I thought we should. I thought we should. The three discuss. of us. The three well, of us yeah. in tandem. Yes. Let's. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you've definitely captured the pickleback flavor mm -hmm. when you know you have a shot of whiskey with a pickleback. I'm getting pickle on the nose. Quite a lot of pickle on the nose for sure. Yes. I like the legs on it. It's oily, but not like too thick and not too thin. It's, it's a perfect amount of oil on there. And the heat of the pickle is great. I love the peppery back at the end. It's just right too. Yeah. It doesn't attack. It tickles. Yeah. Oh, glad you like it. You know, that's one of those things that that's what we had to work on the most was striking that balance and making sure that we made something. We wanted to get a reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, we wanted you to make a face when you took the shot. I mean, this was definitely intended to be more of a fun shooter in bars. Have mm -hmm. a good time. You're with your friends. You throw it back. You get the full experience. Mm -hmm. And we've learned since then, it might make one of the best Bloody Mary or Bloody Mary type shots that we've tasted. It, sure, it's a phenomenal that. mix. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, you wanted to stimulate, not provoke. Exactly. And it certainly does that. Well, it definitely makes me want to go eat a pickle for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it'll do that. So have you guys thought about any other, like any food recipes that you would put with this versus the beverage recipes? You know, we're getting into all of that. And, you know, like we mentioned, it all happens so fast that we've got a few different people working on some random recipes with it and, and throwing things around. But we're just not too deep in that area yet. Mm -hmm. OK, mm -hmm. well, I think our chefs on the show here will will come up with something Indeed. and we'll share it with you. Indeed. Yeah, I just heard, you know, Patrick talked about that Five Farms Irish cream. And people were talking about making cookies with that as a frosting. There's obviously no Yum. clear amazing you're not going to be frosting cookies with this wicked pickle i don't think that would be a no, little but maybe odd. maybe fried pickles with it yeah, there you go yeah. yeah i mean there could be some fun things i wish that i also was a better cook that i could answer that question again i stick <laughs> to whiskey making primarily and also apparently making spicy pickle flavored whiskey well there you go mm -hmm. yeah well it's very good i judge a fair number of competitions on an annual basis and i have encountered my fair share perhaps more than my fair share of flavored whiskeys some of them are very good some of them are well let's move on um <laughs> This one's very good. And the mouthfeel, it has a very nice, oily, round mouthfeel. Yeah. So you're also doing justice to the whiskey. A lot of flavored whiskeys really just taste like over-sweetened kind of booze. You know, yes. We wanted to yes. make sure this stayed tasting like whiskey. Yeah. 
And it does. It does. Well, I think you've accomplished that. I definitely appreciate you saying that because that's something that kind of making this, I wanted to ensure that it wasn't completely lost. Uh It didn't completely change. And again, I drink my bourbon neat. And so I'm glad that at least you seem to like this product. Yes. More than seem. (laughs) <laughs> yes. yes it's actual i seriously i'm going to the store to get pickles after this because i want pickles now <laughs> alas all i have in the fridge right now are sweet pickles as me and that's what holy I gherkins that's Batman. what i have okay cocktails wait really quick okay, speaking sure. of holy gherkins this is a recipe that my grandmother passed down and i'm sure she got it from a magazine or something back in the day but if you've never had gherkin pickles wrapped in salami with a toothpick it sounds really gross but it is amazingly good sounds so, wonderful and- Well, good, because a lot of people say, that sounds really gross. And I'm like, and let's talk about the whiskey pickleback. They're like, oh, yeah, but that's surprisingly good. And I said, same thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't taste the same, but it's the same, like where you think these two things are not going to go well together. And then, wow, they do. Yeah. So. Sure. So, So, yes. Cocktails. Cocktails. Let's talk about, presumably, you've done some R&D on uh, cocktailing with Wicked Pickle. But also, beyond that, we want to know about you two gentlemen and your taste in cocktails. So, but let's start with using Wicked Pickle. Well, Wicked Pickle is fun in a cocktail. We started dabbling with just replace whiskey with any cocktail you would make. And it sounds crazy, but we created an old fashioned with Wicked Pickle and it was phenomenal. Ooh, uh, it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you combine a little bit of that citrus, a little bit of that bitters. We added a bit more simple syrup than typically just to kind of give it a little bit of the, knock a little bit of the heat down, but that was killer. Like I said, the Bloody Mary might be the one sure, that just takes sure. the cake. I don't know if it can be beaten. That's mm-hmm. It's one of those that anyone that tastes that, the initial reaction is it might be the best Bloody they've ever tasted. So, And uh, a whiskey sour, you're halfway there. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it really can. I think that's what's fun about some of the old classic whiskey cocktails is you can substitute this in and give it a fun twist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about you, gentlemen, your respective tastes in cocktails? I will say my respective taste is I am very much like Kyle mentioned. I like whiskey. I like bourbon neat. Mm-hmm. I never say no to anything. I love <laughs> just about any spirit. I like to understand what it is and taste it and know the differences. You know, when I first tasted an Isla Scotch, mm-hmm. I thought it would have been the end of me. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought someone you know, threw a handful of Band-Aids in my mouth. It was horrible. Now I have a Laphroaig 10 sitting on my bar and I happily consume it. You know, it's very good. Very fun good. getting into all the different types. Yeah. Our very first guest on this podcast was a Simon Brooking, who many of our listeners know as the ambassador for Laphroaig. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, Kyle. Yeah, I've alluded to this. I drink a lot of bourbon neat, typically. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So the cocktail version is with ice? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is, uh, I'm getting adventurous. During the summer, it gets a little hot. I will throw like two ice cubes in just, <laughs> just a little bit, temper it down so it's not quite so warm. No, I, I, you know, I like the typical whiskey cocktails make at home, the old fashions or Manhattans. I do enjoy going out to bars. So one thing for perspective, I live in a town there's about 10,000 people there. I actually grew up in a town that was even smaller than that. There's not a lot of cocktail bars uh, <laughs> sure. that I could yeah, go sure. to, yeah. even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if I want to try anything crazy, I have to do it at home on my own. And I'm not a great bartender. <laughs> and so they always turn out slightly less than perfect. But yeah, I, I typically stick to whiskey, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is pretty boring. But I guess that's what I am. 
Yeah. Not to me. Not at I'll all. I'll take whiskey any kind of way you want. Not at all. We created a whole podcast around it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I had somebody that I grew up with recently contact me on Facebook and she's like, oh, you're doing a whiskey podcast. I'm like, yeah. She goes, then what do you talk about all the time? Just whiskey? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we talk about whiskey. We talk about the people that make whiskey. We talk about, there's actually, it's a very deep show that you should It listen. is. It is, if they only knew. Yes. This is a never-ending topic. You could talk for days and years about whiskey. I completely agree. Yeah. The only, I think the only spirit, oh, look, I mean, I don't want to discount any spirits, all of which have their own grand traditions. But I think in terms of history and lore and globality, the only thing that comes close is rum. Mm. And indeed, we are now developing a companion podcast titled Spirits of Rum. So anyway, same idea to talk to the people who make it, sell it, write about it, etc. I will not be on that because I know nothing about rum. I'll just produce it. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds interesting because I think rum is a very underrated category that people don't know enough about. I mean, mm-hmm. they might know yeah. about some silvers, but there's some amazing rum out there. I yeah. mean, different types of ages and from different locations. And yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. And increasingly, there's increased crossover between whiskey and rum in terms of both consumers and makers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a logical. I mean, I wish that I could do a rum as well, but I don't think I could. I definitely, I would love that we could have a aged rum here as well. I mean, mm-hmm. rum is a phenomenal spirit. I, I definitely agree with you on that. You hear that, Patrick? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, very like good. Just, I'm ready just to get some sure. rum going in here right now. We're going to get them on the case. Just making sure. <laughs> okay, very good. So what else do you guys have coming up that you're going to start promoting? And do you have any new ideas in the works of new expressions of any of your various liquors, not just the whiskey? We do. Yeah, we're going to be pushing that barbecue flavored vodka out nationwide this coming year. That'll be fun. Continue with five farms, of course. But we actually have another very fun product in development that we'll be kicking off here pretty soon. I think we'll have some available in Kansas City area in January, and we're probably going to launch nationwide in spring as well. But you have to think of sour candy, like a Sour Patch Kid type Mm -hmm. of a setup, and know that we're making flavored shots in pouches in a bucket. So it's going to be a 50 ml pouch (laughs) that will be filled with a sour like a very sour flavored spirit. And mm-hmm. they are a lot of fun. I mean, okay. take this thing to the lake and you throw some ice in the bucket that it comes in. And yeah, like I said, we pride ourselves in being innovative and doing a lot of fun things. And that's going to be coming your way too. Very different. You'll pucker beyond belief. So if we ever talk about that, all right, we'll see how that goes. All right. Very okay. good. Yeah. That's exciting, actually. Yeah. So. I kind of wish they had that when I was in college. It fun. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Better a sour patch kid than a cabbage patch kid. Well, to drink, yeah. I don't think I would have partaken. I didn't drink in college. It's a reminder of that. Yeah. So now here I am drinking whiskey all the time. And right. And again, Kyle, should you so choose, you could distill something from cabbage, I'm sure. Oh, uh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I took a year or year-ish, year and a little year, maybe a year and a half off in the middle of college. So by the time I graduated, I was 24. So my whole upperclassman time, I was of age to drink. So I didn't feel guilty about it versus my underage. I started drinking at 15 and I have never felt guilty about it. <laughs> yeah, but you're from New Orleans. It's like, I'm sure, you know. I'm from New Orleans and the drinking age was 18. So I wasn't pushing it too terribly hard. So Interesting. Anyway. Yes. Was that just in New Orleans? No, that was Louisiana. Louisiana was the last state to capitulate to the Reagan administration's blackmailing over highway 
development money. Uh, That's how the Reagan administration got all states to up their drinking ages to 21. They withheld federal highway money, said you can't have this unless you raise your drinking age to 21. Well, there you go. I'm still mad at that man. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, anyway. All right. Well, it has been lovely talking to you fellas about all of this beautiful distillate that you make into wonderful, fancy drinks of all kinds. And I'm excited about this Wicked Pickle, and I'm excited to see what Chef Louise has to say about it. And as I said, now I really want to go get some pickles, but I also want to go get some BA juice and start making <laughs> start making a little cocktail. So, Gentlemen, thank you so very much. If you guys are ever out and find yourselves around Kansas City, give us a shout. We'd love to show you a historical location making some pretty awesome things. We'll look forward to that. Well, we would love to. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. World of Wheezy is up next. Stay with us. Hey, Louise, welcome back. Glad to have you here this week. We have a very interesting whiskey to talk about today. It is called the Wicked Pickle. What in the heck did you think of this crazy dram? Hello, Carrie. Glad to be back. And yeah, it's a little bit of a what the hell whiskey. I I mean, I was very skeptical and mostly because whenever I find that products are like pickle flavored, whether it's potato chips, nuts, candies, soda, all these weird products on the market that claim to say, you know, claim pickle flavor. As a pickle lover, I feel like they never taste like pickles. And part of it is because normally they taste like vinegar, but I don't ever taste any of the pickling spices. That's what makes the pickle, right? So upon tasting this, I was actually very pleasantly surprised. I was like, okay, this truly does taste like a pickleback that we've all had, I'm sure, at this point in time from any number of bars in the country. It certainly tastes like some pickle juice was dumped into a glass of whiskey, which I'm fine with. I immediately knew that I needed to make my world-famous Bloody Mary with this whiskey. Have you ever had one of my Bloody Marys, Carrie? I have not, so I will have to swing by after this and have one with you. Yeah, this is a bit of a cry and shame. I mean, long, long ago in a land far, far away, I sort of was the queen of Bloody Marys in the West Village in New York at a tiny little bar that I worked at. And, you know, of course, it started because everyone comes in hungover and they need a pick-me-up on a Sunday morning. But what the folks in New York City did not realize is that because I am from Wisconsin... You know, we take our Bloody Marys very seriously. And this is not, you cannot just put tomato juice and Tabasco and whatnot in a glass and put a lemon on the edge and call it a Bloody Mary. That does not suffice. Right. So, you know, mine has all the usual suspects, a tomato juice, horseradish, Worcestershire, hot sauce, yada, yada, right? I figured instead of the vodka, of course, I would use this whiskey. But what makes mine... You know, really what I would say exceptional is that all of my garnishes, I pickle myself. And now that I have a garden, you know, I kind of plan what I'm going to be planting according to having enough to eat fresh and enough to pickle. So radishes, carrots, cucumbers, okra, green beans. I mean, the list goes on. And, you know, I'm thinking a wicked, wicked pickle, Bloody Mary with all of this business going on would be dynamite. So how did it taste? How did the pickles interact with the with the tomato and the Worcestershire sauce and all that? Delicious. Fantastic. Super delicious. Yeah. The thing is, I don't really love vodka. 
I don't love it on its own. I mean, you know, I understand its purpose in certain cocktails and stuff like that. I mean, I actually liked this potentially better. Cool. Yeah. When we were talking to the guys about the Wicked Pickle, they did say that when we were talking about cocktails at the end, they did say that their Wicked Pickle was amazingly good as a substitute for vodka in the Bloody Mary. So very happy that you tried it out. So now now I've got multiple people saying that. So I think definitely going to have to try the Bloody Mary with the Wicked Pickle. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, and I do a number of different Bloody Marys that are not tomato based. Like I do one that's a carrot based Mary. I do a a Verde Mary, a green one. I've done one that's like a bell pepper base, a yellow bell pepper. So I think even if, yeah, I love bloodies. They are one of my favorite drinks. And so I was even just thinking about that and I was like, well, I think this could work. I mean, I don't know if it would work in all of them, but I can see it working really well in a carrot Mary because the sweetness of the carrot with the bourbon would be really awesome as well. Right. So, yeah. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for this. And as always, I'm going to have to try this. And uh, we will catch up with you next week. Sounds great. Talk to you then. For show notes on today's podcast, please visit our website at spiritsofwhiskey.com. That's whiskey with an E. We'll include links and supporting documents from today's Whiskey Chronicles, as well as tasting notes and recommendations from today's World of Wheezy. As always, you'll see upcoming topics, a guest roster, and links to past shows. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, salon. You can become a sustaining supporter of Spirits of Whiskey by making a monthly donation. Just visit the Spirits of Whiskey page at anchor.fm. That's anchor.fm forward slash spirits dash of dash whiskey and click on the support button. And if you really like us, give us a five star rating and a review. Thank you. Spirits of Whiskey is produced by First Real Entertainment and the Center for Culinary Culture, home of the Cocktail Collection, and is available via Anchor, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts are heard.